Hey everyone, this is David DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. And today, zooming in all the way from Oklahoma City, is that right, Omar? Yeah, I'm near Oklahoma City. You know, uh, I mean, I can tell you the name, it's Ada, Oklahoma, but you, you, you probably won't even know where it is. I probably wouldn't. So. I didn't also know where it is till I actually got a place here. <laughs> Perfect. So Omar is a very, uh, very interesting gentleman to be talking with because he's got a very international background, especially when it comes to real estate investing. He's done deals in Canada. He's focusing on deals in the United States. So I'm really looking forward to talking with Omar about syndication for raising capital for doing multifamily properties in the States. So Omar, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Dave. Pleasure to be here. All right. So first of all, why don't you tell us just briefly what is it that you're really focusing on these days when it comes to real estate investing? Well, primarily it's multifamily, which is essentially a fancy way of saying apartments. And what we do is we only invest in the southern states in the U.S. Yeah, I live here, but there's also a whole host of other reasons we can get into. And look, based because I'm a Canadian citizen, I've lived in Canada for the longest time, but I also grew up in a few other places. And, you know, if you go to international schools, I went to a good private school, but then also University of Toronto, very international, worked in Toronto, worked in Calgary. So you develop a good enough network, right? Especially if you're working in finance, because everybody's an investment professional. So because of that, it's allowed me when I moved to the U.S. to move into these sorts of deals pretty easily, A, because of my personal and professional background, but I also had access to a network of investors, which is obviously growing. You know, the more deals you do, the, the network improves. So that's kind of me in a nutshell on what I do. Well, it's really interesting. I, what I find really interesting as well, Omar, is just the whole mindset, because so many of us here in Canada, you know, especially Canadians that are born and raised and just plan on living and dying here, they have no concept of perhaps living overseas or living in a different country for a little while or doing business in another country. Personally, I had a little bit of experience in that. I lived overseas for for 14 years in, in Latin America. So well, that's a little bit more than a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it. It's, but it's been a while. It's been a while. But it, it's really, it does give you a whole different perspective. So you coming from outside of Canada, moving to Canada, going to school here, becoming a Canadian citizen, but then hanging around with people from around the world, you're more of a global citizen than, than stuck to any one country. Yeah, I know that's a, bad, that's a der- derogatory term these days. You know, oh. people don't like to say it. But yeah, look, I mean, I'm not going to apologize for the fact. And look, I picked up a lot of things along the way, which has basically helped me. A, when I moved to the U.S., it helped me move very easily, number one. Because mm-hmm. I feel that thing, even if you're Canadian and you want to live in Canada, I always suggest people, look, if you grew up in Calgary, move to Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver once. Nobody's saying you got to stay there forever, right? Or if you're in Toronto, move to Vancouver, Montreal, Calgary, Edmonton, and God forbid, Winnipeg. <laughs> you know, because it helps you understand it, just the whole process of moving, even within your own country. But it also helps you understand that, look, there's a whole world out there. And people look and view the same things very differently. And a lot of times it's very good to have different perspectives. Now, you don't have to always go down that rabbit hole, but it's good to understand where other people come from, because you can always pick up small little things from people, add it to your toolkit, so you become a more holistic, well-rounded person. Yeah, very, very. Even very. if it's, by the way, the same country, because a lot of Canadians feel, I, I knew this for a fact when I was moving to Calgary from Toronto. And I, when I mean Toronto, I mean downtown Toronto. I went to school there, worked in the financial district. And most people were like, well, if we don't see you, we know what happened. 
you died in the wilderness, right? And I, I'm not joking with you. You laugh at it now. And that was kind of like the unsaid sort of thing, right? Well, hard yeah. to from Toronto, right? And it's just not the same thing, you know? I mean, it's a big country, I, I know. You know. I got a good buddy who lives downtown Vancouver. He's originally from Hong Kong. And <laughs> I remember I invited him to Kamloops, which to give you a perspective is about... He a, would think you were inviting him to Mars. Yeah, three and a half hour drive from Vancouver, which we do all the time. And to him, that was like a major, major trip because his whole world focused around downtown Vancouver. So. Yeah, it's like the 50 blocks of downtown Vancouver or downtown Toronto. And that's it. That's your whole world. Exactly. So, Omar, why don't, why don't we jump right into it? Why don't, what I'd really like to find out from you, because you've got such a, a strong background in it, and you know the Canadian perspective, and now you completely understand how things work in the States when it comes to raising capital for multifamily properties. So in Canada, there's a, a few different ways of doing it. You focus on syndication. So, mm-hmm. you know, Reader's Digest level <laughs> explanation. When somebody in the States wants to work with a joint venture partner or a money partner on a deal, what are the kind of the big picture rules and regulations around that? Well, number one, it's heavily regulated. And just to let you know, I'm an operator who also happens to raise our own money for my own project. So as opposed to a lot of folks you find online, and again, there's nothing wrong with it, but I'm just giving the whole picture. A lot of folks are capital raisers. The problem a lot of times with just capital raisers is that for the lack of a better word, they're, they're guns for hire, right? And look, you might have a good experience. You might not have a good experience. And the problem, because if you're not dealing directly with an owner operator, the problem becomes that whoever's sold you the deal, well, at closing, you know, and as in, you know, when you give the money and you take over the property, they basically receive 90% of their income and now they can just walk away, right? So they have no incentive long-term, more often than not, to basically see it all the way through the end. But an owner or an operator like myself, and I'm, obviously I'm not the only one, there's so many other people out there, we have to keep going back to the well multiple times, right? Because we're developed, we're, this is our livelihood, right? And we're like, basically, as the owner operator, you don't make any money unless your investors make money. Exactly. And the thing is that what I can't do is I'm with Joe one day, Mark another, Jim another, and I just kind of spread myself like that, right? So I do 20 deals a year. I can tell you as an owner operator, not even extremely big, like mega companies are doing 20 deals, big deals here, like a hundred million dollar deal. So you've got to realize that there's a difference in the incentives that each person has, whereas an owner operator is more long-term. They've, they've got to look at you long-term. Yeah. A yeah. capital raiser has got to look at you for right now. How much money can you give me right now? Right? So that's a big difference. Yeah. That being said, because these are shares, you're buying the real estate, but you're, what you're basically buying is a share in a company that owns the real estate. Okay, right. so back, maybe back up and explain to us how does it typically work for a multifamily deal in the states when you're, you know, you're syndicating it. How? So, and it's process. very simple process. How it basically works is, yeah. let's assume, you know, there's a thirty million dollar deal, right? Now it close on a thirty million dollar deal. Even if you got a seventy seventy five percent LTV or loan to value, right? You know, and you add all the closing costs, maybe you need like seven eight million dollars cash just to close, Sorry. right? Yeah. Now most people don't have seven to eight million dollars lying around, right? Mm-hmm. Or they maybe never will have seven to eight million dollars lying around. So what you'll do, like any other company or any other firm, any other mutual fund company, 
And an operator, say as an example myself, will go to our list of investors and say, look, this is a great opportunity. I found this out, you know, show the financials, all of that stuff. And hey, we've got to raise 78, excuse me, million dollars. So my average investor chips anywhere between 75 to 150,000 US dollars at a time. And some are more and some are a little less. And this way we raise the money. Now we've raised the money. In the meantime, you know, my group, which is me, basically, I'm heading it, will take care of the debt and all of that stuff because our investors are basically getting passive returns, right? They're not actively involved in the day-to-day operations of things, right? So we'll do all the operations, the heavy lifting, the construction, the debt, pretty much all of that stuff. The other thing a lot of folks don't realize is that a lot of folks say, well, I want to do my own deal. Well, the thing that people don't realize from a legal point of view isn't necessarily that you can or can't do the deal, that as a limited partner, you have limited liability. So as an example, if things go south, you can only lose the extent, at worst, you can only lose the extent of the money you've invested. But when your name is on the loan document, or when you're the operator and you know there's there's a paper trail to show that you're the you know you're the operator, yeah, you have unlimited liability. So if things go south, let's assume somebody sues you for ten billion dollars and they win, and your investor equity was only say ten million dollars. Well, the rest of it, a guy like me has to bring out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. So a lot of folks what they don't realize is a lot of times I've had investors tell me, oh yeah, I want to do my own deal. I was like, well, yeah, you should go ahead and try doing it. But your lawyer will immediately tell you, forget about the money, forget about the returns. Are you even comfortable taking that much liability on your head? So a lot of people look at it from cash or income. I look at it from a liability perspective. So do you or do you not want to take it on? Right. So please note that. Okay. So Omar, again, for for people that aren't too familiar with that. So basically, let's say that $30 million deal, you need eight or seven, eight million million bucks. You're going to buy the property within a a limited, uh, limited of corporation, right? And there's a, that's the thing. In the States, there's a ton of different kinds of corporations. What kind do you typically? So if you're, if you have Canadian investors, so please, people should please note that. And I can share a link to an article I have also. If you are a Canadian investor investing in any sort of US-based syndication, entity, whatever it is, the big advantage to investing in US real estate is the amount of tax write-offs you can get, right? So essentially, it's a fancy way of saying that I can be depositing cash in your bank account because the returns they're generating, but on paper, I can be showing a loss because of the tax rules. So essentially, net-net, you're getting cash in the bank, but you're not paying any income tax on it, if that makes any sense. That's why it's very attractive to invest in U.S. real estate because these are tax, these are specific tax breaks you get in the U.S., that you don't get in Canada. The problem becomes that if you just go invest in, in, and this is really technical, I don't want to bore you to death, but it's very important that if you are investing in an entity, which is an LLC or limited liability company, so you know when you get these tax breaks, the CRA, for the lack of a better term, does not allow you to take these tax breaks. They don't view this entity as a pass-through entity. Again, don't want to bore you to death. So what you have to do as a Canadian is be ultra vigilant and know that every time you're investing in a syndication or any sort of entity like this, you have to be investing in an entity which is an LP, a limited partnership, because that is the only type of entity that the CRA and the IRS, which is the CRA equivalent in the US, both consider 
for you to be able to get those tax benefits passed to you without any hindrance. And I know it's a technical concept. A lot of American syndicators, when you talk to them, you've got to realize America is so big, it's so rich, so many people live here that they never have to go out of America. Right. And the other great thing, which I love about Americans, I, I love this about Americans, is they assume that their laws apply everywhere in the world. So if it's an American law, well, why wouldn't it apply in Canada? They're like, because it's a different country. <laughs> you know, they have, we have our own laws. So when you ask this to most American syndicators who've never had to deal with international people, they will oh, yeah, just put it in an LLC. Because legally in America, the difference between an LLC and an LP, it's not a lot or it's nothing. But for you as a Canadian, it is the difference between making, say, I don't know, $100 or $25. That's how much of a difference it can be. So again, these are technical things. I've heard heard nightmare stories of Canadians investing the wrong way in the States and just getting hammered by the CIA. Yeah, whacked there, whacked here. Yeah. And what I'm trying to say, again, I know this is very cut and dry and so boring, right? But if you don't do it the right way, you are literally throwing money down the toilet. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say. There's no use for you to do it without understanding this. Okay. So syndication, this is a way for you as an operator to raise capital from people and still stay compliant with the trade commission. Big picture. what, What are some of the rules and regulations around that? for operators for for raising capital? So I can tell you this, number one, there can be no instance of variable compensation. By the way, this is not just with the Trade Commission, this is the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, Mm -hmm. because the Securities and Exchange Commission, whether it's a public company or a private company like ours, we still have to file our contracts in compliance with their mandate, right? So basically, number one, you can't be, as I said, a gun for hire, right? So if some guy you hear online, and there's so many of these guys now, that are raising money for this thing or that thing. That is straight up illegal. You cannot do that. Because there's, again, there's a technical reason for that. The technical reason is that the SEC says you have to be licensed as a broker dealer, right? Because again, there are issues, again, there are boring issues like liability and having a license associated with it. It's like you're in any trade, you need to have a license for that trade. So if you don't have a license and operate in that trade, there are penalties associated with you doing that. And the problem becomes that the penalties are not just put on that person, like say who was doing the infraction. You as an investor, your money will now be stuck in a deal which is non-compliant. So then you will never be able to get that money out. So right, you have to understand, whereas you might not be charged with this little thing, but it's your money at the end of the day, right? I mean, that's all you care about. So again, I'm not trying to be alarmist. What I'm trying to tell you is there are structures, rules, and laws in place. And typically the easiest way around this is to deal directly with owner operators because they have some exemptions and then you never run afoul of any of these things. So I guess that's that's what I was trying to ask. What are some of the rules around you as an owner operator raising capital for your deals? For me, I have an, it's called an exemption. So I have an exemption that I don't need a broker dealer license for my own deals. So if I'm the operator, I'm the key partner involved in this, I can go raise money for this deal. No problem. But let's assume you as an unrelated party cannot come into this deal and only get paid to raise money. You need to have some sort of other operational or technical or some aspect of risk has to be associated with your involvement, right? So what you can do is I've assembled a deal together. I put my own money on the line. Everything happened. And then in the end, you just come in, you raise a little bit of money. I pay you for that money. Boom, you're gone. 
that can't work. Yeah. No, so I have that as an exemption because I have put my own money and my own company at risk. So they give you that exemption, but some guy randomly can't do, just do this. And I know people do it. Yeah. yeah people for hire. Yeah. 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 I, I'm not saying people, a lot of people do it, but I'm just telling you what are the things associated with it. Awesome. Omar, time flies when we're having fun. If people want to find out more about you and, and what you're up to, what should they do? Oh, you can go to our website, boardwalkwealth.com, B-O-A-R-D, walkwealth.com. My email is omar, O-M-A-R, at boardwalkwealth.com. Fantastic. Thank you very much for sharing your wealth of wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. All right, everybody, take care and see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. Be very, very much appreciated. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at InvestorAttractionDemo.com. Take care.